Hey, welcome everybody to another start of a BSF year. We're going to be looking at the book of Matthew this year. We're so glad to have you with us. Welcome. It's our first week. It's our introduction lecture. We're going to be looking at Matthew in an overview. But before we do that, let me pray for us and then we can get started. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that we can call you our Father in heaven and that Jesus, through the pages of the book of Matthew, revealed you as his Father and by extension our Father. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough to have a plan to restore us to fellowship with you through the costly price of Jesus dying on the cross. And thank you, Lord, for inspiring your servant Matthew to write this book so that we can understand that the kingdom of God is at hand and we can begin to celebrate all that Jesus began to do and uh, ultimately his victory that was culminated on the cross. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I have somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, four to five hundred usernames and 32 character passwords that I use to log into a variety of services on the internet. Uh, my phone is is encrypted. My laptop is encrypted. I have cipher strength of 2048. I like to make sure that my communications over the internet are all based upon HTTPS protocols and that the certificates are valid, active, and effective. Uh, I have multi-factor authentication set up for almost all of the websites that I can, whether it's banking or email or whatever. My main goal is to make sure that information about me is kept safe and private. Now, this is certainly good practice for the internet, and I would definitely recommend uh, that you do something along the same lines. Having one username and one password that you use for all of your websites is bad. But I think one of the tendencies that we gravitate towards as people is in the same way that we want to have our internet security and our privacy be protected, there are parts about us that really should be more public. And one of those things for me is the relationship that I have with Jesus. As a follower of Jesus Christ, that should be information that I'm interested in other people knowing about. Uh, Jesus told his followers at the end of the book of Matthew to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, if I'm busy locking away that secret under a bushel in a secure password zone, nobody else will know. Nobody else will know what Jesus did for me. And if Matthew did that, or if the disciples, Jesus' disciples did that, you and I today studying this book would not know the events that took place in the land of Israel nearly 2,000 years ago. And so fortunately for you and for me, Matthew acted on the Great Commission. That, that verse that I read from the end of Matthew, go therefore make disciples, is referred to as the Great Commission. And Matthew heard those words and he acted upon them. He didn't password protect Jesus' method, method, message. Instead, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, Matthew acted. He wrote down key information about Jesus for us so that we can know what happened and how Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God started in the Old Testament. Jesus is the one who was promised. He is the promised Messiah. And Matthew has recounted key parts of Jesus's earthly ministry and passed them on to us to prove that Jesus is in fact the fulfillment 
of everything promised in the Old Testament. Now, when Matthew wrote this book down, he wasn't trying, like J.K. Rowling or other other authors, to be able to make themselves famous or you know share the story with the world and make millions of dollars. Uh, in fact, far the opposite. Matthew's book has been copied and copied and redistributed and translated millions of times. And, and this was not for his personal gain, for his financial gain. It was because Matthew wanted to fulfill the mandate that Jesus set to go and make disciples. And Matthew's writing was a method to do that. You see, Matthew's life was changed by an encounter that he had with Jesus nearly 2,000 years ago. And Matthew wanted other people, whether it was the people that were his contemporaries in the first century or those who came after him, to come to know Jesus of Nazareth as the promised Messiah, Lord and Savior of all. So tonight, we're going to take a a look at how we can follow in Matthew's footsteps, and, and we can learn that information about Jesus is meant to be publicly available and widely distributed. And by following Matthew's example, we're going to hopefully learn to do that. We're going to begin to create a foundation of how we can do the same thing that Matthew did to be able to share information about Jesus with those around us. So we're going to look at our Bibles. We're going to go ahead. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Uh, It's going to be about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. If you can't find it, use your table of contents. My Bible is still getting used to not being in Genesis from last year and instead being in Matthew. It was a great pattern for us to to see the beginning of the Old Testament in our study last year, the book of Genesis, and to now see the beginning of the New Testament this year in our study of the book of Matthew. Now, if I was to say to you, uh, hey, can you come out to the parking lot and just take a look at this new car that I got? I want to show it to you. I'd like you to see it. And if we walked over to the place where I had parked my car and all that was there is a spare tire, you would say, you know, this, this, is, not, this, this is not a car. A, a spare tire is maybe a part of some cars. Not every car has a spare tire. But a, a, when you think of carness, what makes something a car, there's certain pieces you would expect to be present four tires, maybe some body panels and an engine. You know, there's things we could debate about. Do you need to have all the windows or not to really define something as a car? You know, there, but regardless, there's a number of things that we would sort of define as being a required part of showing someone a car and a spare tire by itself in a parking space doesn't really fit with that reality. And if we think about Matthew's goal as he was writing this book, Matthew, the human author of the first book of the New Testament, wants to take us out and he wants us to see Jesus of Nazareth as the long-awaited Messiah. Now, this process that uh, Matthew is going through to tell other people about Jesus, there's a fancy word that we use for it in the church, and it's called evangelism. And, And that is merely... You know, sharing the gospel, if we think about sharing the gospel, and I'll talk about gospel later on, but evangelism is simply telling other people about Jesus. Now, Matthew wanted to do that. He was one of the first people, he was one of the first 12 people to really encounter Jesus and to want to be able to go out and tell others about it. And so Matthew, through his writing, is sharing the story, sharing the details about Jesus that would be helpful for people to understand that Jesus is 
the long-awaited Messiah. The other writers of the first four books of the New Testament, Mark, Luke, and John, also wrote about Jesus, and they had some different objectives as they wrote, but ultimately they wanted other people to know about Jesus. And we use that word, the word that we use is evangelism. Another way that we refer to that in the church is called sharing the gospel. Uh, And again, we'll talk about gospel later on. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to evangelize, if we're going to tell somebody else about Jesus, one of the things we have to grapple with is what is the content? What are the things that we would include in telling someone about Jesus? And so Matthew is going to sort of take us on a journey this year of these are the critical things that he wants us to know. And I think roughly we can categorize all the things that Matthew is telling us in four broad categories, four truths that we can think about as we're grappling with the idea of what must be included from a content perspective when we tell somebody else about Jesus. The four things are the truth about God, the truth about sin, the truth about Jesus, the truth about Jesus Christ, And the last one is the truth about man's response. And so one of the things that you can do as you're going through the book of Matthew, look for the ways that he does this. We're going to be in Matthew 1 next week, and you, begin, you can begin to see what are, what are the one of those truths. Is it truth about God or truth about sin or truth about Jesus or truth about man's response that we can begin to grapple or can, they can tie connections to in Matthew's gospel? It will help us understand what he's trying to do, some of the points that he's trying to make to his readers, us included, but it will also help us as we begin to think about what will it look like for us to share the truth about God, the truth about sin, the truth about Jesus, and the truth about our response with somebody else. So first of all, as we as we look at over the next few weeks, what are some of the ways that Matthew was going to show to us the truth about God? Matthew very much envisioned himself as writing a continuation of the Old Testament. Matthew himself, as well as his intended Jewish audience, would have been very familiar with the Old Testament. And Matthew takes us there right away in his genealogy. He's going back to all these names and all these people and all these children who would have been accounted for in the, in the, in the, the scrolls that at that time comprised the Old Testament. And so he's tying us back into that book, and there is so much in the Old Testament that helps us understand who God is. But some of the things that we're going to see in the book of the Matthew as we get going, uh, Jesus presents God as our Heavenly Father. Truth about God, he's our Heavenly Father, Matthew chapter 6. We see that God is also the provider for all of creation, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 1, Jesus is referred to as Emmanuel. God with us. So at some level, God desires to be with his people. A major theme throughout Jesus's teaching in the book of Matthew is going to be the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has uh, this, this reality that he wants us to understand. There's an unseen kingdom that is real, and it's referred to as the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus wants people to be able to understand what that kingdom is like. What is the real king like? And so there's a lot of times in the book in the book of Matthew, as Matthew is writing, we are going to have truths about God that are going to hit us. And you can make a note of those. And, and share them with your group and celebrate them. Because as we learn about God, we will also be learning about his, his perfect likeness, his son Jesus. 
truth about sin. We're going to understand more about sin as we go through the Gospel of Matthew. First of all, uh, in chapter 1, we see that the name for Jesus means that he will save his people. Yahweh saves is what Jesus means. Matthew one twenty one says that Jesus will save his people from their sins. Friends, sins are something that we must be saved from from, and that is Jesus's main mission as he is here on this planet, to save people from their sins. As we go into Jesus's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, there is a lot in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus teaches about the reality of sin. Uh, Jesus, first of all, says that the Old Testament law is not going to pass away. The, the system of perfection that was outlined in the book of Leviticus and the book of Numbers and the book of Exodus is not going to be erased. It needs to be fulfilled. It needs to be accomplished. Jesus goes on and he outlines in the Sermon on the Mount that sin is not just the outward actions that we do, but it's what happens in our minds and in our hearts as we think about or interact with our neighbors. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to speak hard words where he tells people to cut off limbs and gouge out eyes because it would be better to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. So sin is something that Jesus upholds as a major problem for God's people. And it is the thing that they need to be saved from. Not the Romans, not COVID. We don't need to be saved from those things. Our biggest problem, our major problem is sin. There is a lot in Matthew's gospel that we can point to that tells us the truth about who Jesus is, the truth about Jesus. In chapters 1 through 4, we're going to learn a lot about Jesus' origin story. We learn about his earthly parents in chapter 1, 18 through 25. We learn that the heavens announce Jesus' birth, and that's uh, the Magi come looking for Jesus in the land of Israel. We see that God himself reveals Jesus as his beloved son in chapter 3, verse 17. So Jesus' origin story, who he is, his earthly parents, his heavenly father, how he was born, we read about the start of his earthly ministry in uh, Matthew 1 through 4. There's also a great emphasis about what did Jesus teach. Uh, we, we, weren't, we weren't there, you and I weren't there, Matthew was there, and Matthew has put together five major sections of Jesus' teaching. One of them, the most famous one, is the Sermon on the Mount, uh, verses chapters 5 through 7. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 is a collection of Jesus' parables. There's three other major sections, three other uh, five discourses on Jesus' teaching. It's, just, it's verse after verse, chapter after chapter of what Jesus taught. Who, what, what did Jesus want his people to know? Matthew has brought that together for us so we can begin to understand what it was that Jesus was teaching about. There's also uh, narrative sections in the book of Matthew where we can see the story of Jesus's life unfold. And there are sections in there where we learn about Jesus's miracles, the way that Jesus interacted with the crowds, the way that Jesus interacted with the Pharisees, the way that Jesus called his disciples. All of that is going to be covered for us. So not only can we understand how did, what did Jesus teach, 
We can see the way that Jesus lived his life. We can understand who is this person of Jesus. We're going to see Jesus fulfill his main mission in coming to earth, namely his death on the cross in chapter 27. And we're going to see Jesus' victory validated in his resurrection and his great commission in Matthew chapter 28. A lot of information about the truth of Jesus can be found in the pages of Matthew's writings. Finally, uh, we're going to learn a lot about the, the truth behind man's response. We're going to see many people in the pages of Matthew either believing or not believing. Belief and unbelief are going to be full uh, in, in these pages in the book of Matthew. We're going to see in the beginning of Matthew, there's rising belief. Uh, the disciples are being called. People are beginning to follow Jesus. And as Matthew goes on, we're going to see rising unbelief in the opposition of the Pharisees. And so belief and unbelief are going to be things that we're going to want to look for in the people that we encounter in the pages of Matthew's story about Jesus. Uh, we're going to see the responses of Mary and Joseph to this amazing birth that happened in their family in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to see two totally different responses between the Magi, the foreigners from the East, and King Herod. We're going to see those uh, perspectives contrasted in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to see the first disciples being called and growing belief in Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to really see the intensity of unbelief be ramped up in the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to see how the Romans responded to Jesus. Some of the Roman soldiers, we have two stories in the book of Matthew about Roman centurions. And then we have this wonderful story, uh, at least literarily, this wonderful story of Peter and Judas as we enter into the final week of Jesus's life. Two of Jesus's disciples, and we're going to see the way that belief and unbelief and forgiveness manifests itself in the lives of those two men as Jesus's final week of earth unfolds for us, beginning in Matthew 21. Again, the four things we can look for, the four key components of the, the, the gospel presentation, if we're going to tell somebody about Jesus, we're going to want to include the four things we're going to want to say the truth about God, the truth about Jesus, the truth about, I'm sorry, the truth about God, the truth about sin, the truth about Jesus, and the truth about man's response, belief or unbelief. One of the other things that we can learn from Matthew as we think about telling somebody else about Jesus is who is our audience? Who are we speaking to? And how can we find common ground with those folks? The religious leaders of Matthew's day uh, had had some very entrenched ideas about what the Messiah was going to look like. They had read the Old Testament, they had come to their own conclusions, and they had promoted those ideas for many, many years. Matthew knew that as he was presenting Jesus as the Messiah, there was going to be some differences of opinion, there was going to be some opposition to that idea. And so Matthew starts in the same place that they do. Matthew upholds the Old Testament and throughout Matthew's gospel, almost any time that you see your Bible indented, uh, that is a direct quotation from the Old Testament. Matthew uses a lot of Old 
Testament scriptures. He uses Old Testament genealogies to make the point that Jesus is truly the fulfillment of the Old Testament, not something new, not something different. And so Matthew found common ground with his audience by using the Old Testament scriptures. But Matthew didn't stop there. Matthew chose to write his gospel, not in the the Hebrew Aramaic language that was present in the first century, but instead, uh, Matthew wanted to write something that would be approachable for all people who were alive at that time. Greek was the lingua franca in the Roman Empire. It was the language of commerce. It was the language of trade. It was the language that most people spoke. You could travel all around the Mediterranean and be able to speak Greek. And so Matthew chose to write his gospel in a language that the Romans of the day would be able to interact with and connect to. So Matthew found common points of connection with his audience, whether it was the Old Testament, whether it was choice of language, we'll see Matthew looking to connect with his readers uh, in ways that would have made sense for them in the first century, and it still works for us. We are still able to interact with, with Matthew's gospel because we can connect with him. We can find points of common connection and begin to go through the gospel with Matthew there. The last thing I want to touch base on is the word gospel. I've already used it a few times tonight, and I apologize if it's been confusing, but the word is used a bunch of different ways in the church, and I thought we could just take a few minutes to nail down what we're talking about. So first of all, there are times when you'll see in your Bible, and if you go to Mark chapter 1, verse 1, there'll be an example of this. You're going to see the word gospel that appears in the pages of your Bible. Now, that's a Greek word. The New Testament was all written in Greek. It's a Greek word that's, that's pronounced euangelion, and we can directly translate that as good news. So the, the idea, this message that uh, Mark is going to bring to us in one one, Mark begins his story about Jesus with the word euangelion, good news. Uh, it, you know, so your question might be, well, why don't we just use the word good news? It would seem a little less confusing. Uh, the word, our word gospel is derived from an Anglo-Saxon word, Godspell, which means good tidings. And so these are sort of direct translations, if you were, this idea of the gospel, the gospel is good news. Now, um, the way that we want to understand the word gospel, when Mark uses it, or when Paul uses it, or when it's used in the New Testament, it's not going to be referring to, you know, Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. The gospel instead, the broad idea, is going to be the revelation of God's plan for reconciling man to himself by forgiveness of sin, and by transforming man's character. So this, the gospel is this plan that God has had to bring mankind back to himself and to change the character of man from being sinful to being without sin. And we know that the gospel is the message of salvation through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So as we come across the word gospel in the Bible, Most of the time, it'll be small letter G. It won't be capitalized in Mark's gospel. It won't be capitalized when when Paul uses it. But it's referring to this, the message of salvation through the person and work of Jesus Christ. When we think about the idea of sharing the gospel, that is what we're sharing. We're sharing the gospel message of salvation that Jesus accomplished through his person and through his work. We are saved from our sins. So one of the, the mandates of the church, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's writings, is to share that news with the world. And so 
The church is working to do this. The church is working to share the good news that God has a plan to restore man to himself. We have to understand the bad news, right? We have to understand God's character. We have to understand sin. And then it begins to make sense to us why Jesus' work is truly good news. The other way that gospel can be used as it relates to you know the Bible or in your BSF notes is going to be referring to the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are collectively referred to as the gospels. Now that will have an uppercase G. And so if the, these four books present to us the details of the life and work of Jesus Christ. And so that's why they have that name. So if it's a little bit muddled, uh, the way that the word gospel is being used, there's a good reason why it's a little bit overly complicated. Uh, But try to keep an eye on if it's lowercase, if it's uppercase. The other way that gospel is used, it's more of a secular utilization of the word, uh, but it tends to mean something uh, that is accepted or promoted as infallible. Uh, you know, so you might say like, you know, when, when Vicky says something, we can take it as gospel as it's always going to be true all the time. And again, even the secular use of that word is tied back to, uh, the, again, the, the real gospel, the real reason that we, that we have that word is, is what Jesus accomplished on the cross, the work that he accomplished for salvation, Um, So those are some of the different ways that you're going to hear gospel used over the next 30 weeks. Um, This is a great book. There's so much that we can learn about who Jesus is, what he did, and how we can begin to take that message to those in the world around us. Um, We're looking forward to having you study BSF with us this year. We are going to be getting into Matthew chapter 1 next week. Again, uh, materials are available on my BSF. You can download content there. We look forward to having you with us. We look forward to studying uh, the Bible with you. And, and most of all, we look forward to what God has to teach us. There, were many, there are many people over the generations that have been trained and instructed and have even come to saving faith in Jesus through their study of the book of Matthew. We're looking forward this year to see what God is going to accomplish in your life and in my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity that we have to look at this great, masterful work that Matthew put together with the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Lord, open our hearts to hear what you would have us learn. Uh, Lord, we are a people that need to be saved. We are a people that need to be transformed. Uh, We are a people who have been defined by sin, but Lord, you have made a way in Christ for us to be defined by the blood of Christ. Help us to learn that. Help us to take that and make it a part of our being. Uh, And Lord, thank you for uh, giving us each other and the Holy Spirit as we seek to understand your word. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.